today, I always, when I'm studying God's Word throughout the week, getting ready for the weekends, I like to kind of net it down to a sentence or to a word that, Lord, what is it that I want to speak about? What is it that I want people to walk away with? So today's real simplistic. It's the heart of the gospel. It's worship. It's right there across the top of your notes. On your flip over there, you'll see a place for taking notes today. And, and that's what it is. It's about worship. Ecclesiastes 5. We, we've been uh, journeying through this book together. And I just want to tell you, I'm not going to do every chapter. I've done the first five chapters, and then I'm going to kind of begin to kind of speed it up. Some of you said, praise God. And, uh, but it's an amazing study. We've been learning some wonderful principles from God's Word. But today, I want to look at the first seven verses in Ecclesiastes 5. So if you've got the scriptures, we'll read it in a moment. But I, I would say it like this. One writer once said that, uh, you know, why do some people not attend athletic events? Why do they not get more involved in that? Well, one person says, well, I don't go to athletic events because they ask for money. <laughs> Duh, I guess so. I don't go to athletic events because some people are just rude and obnoxious and they're not friendly. Another one says, I don't go to athletic events because the seats are just entirely too hard. Another one, I don't go to athletic events because the coach doesn't call on me. <laughs> Isn't that great? Hallelujah. Somebody said, I don't go to athletic events because the referee made a decision I couldn't agree with and I wanted to hit him. Okay. And finally, uh, you know, as, as I think about that, and then the last reason was one said, I don't go to athletic events because sometimes it goes into overtime and I get home late. Okay, you see the parallel where I'm going? You're like, oh, no, you're going to go overtime today. Not planning on it, but we might. But we probably won't. But, you know, why do we do that? And yet, I watch, we will sacrifice great sums of money and time and all kind of things to afford going to our favorite movie or play or athletic event because that's important to us. I mean, it's obvious, man, there's our treasure and we find our heart. And yet this morning, i got to come back and drill down to the very core of who we are, worship. You know, it's so exciting to have many of you here this morning, and we have a lot of folks that are traveling all through the summer. You know, preachers, we look forward to about mid to late August. Everybody starts coming back home, and some of you are like, oh, don't remind me, preacher. School's starting. People are throwing food in our house. People are irritable, and, and you're talking about yourself. I mean, it's just going to be amazing. But I want us to look at this thing called worship this morning. You know, if you look in America, it's really sad what's happening in the studies that I'm reading. Uh, worship is declining in many areas. People act like God's dead. And I tell you, God is not dead. Right, church? He is so alive. And he's so vibrant. And he calls us to himself. And yet, I, I heard this, and I, I, want, I want you to write it down. What is true worship? It's designed by God to come in an enthusiastic manner and with holy apprehension. That's what worship is. God, I will come enthusiastically into your house. And Lord, when I get there, there is a holy apprehension, expectation that I will meet you when I gather with other believers. Do you believe that, church? There is something about when more than two or three gather, there's energy, there's power, there's focus. I know you can listen to your iPod and your music and all that, and you can blow it out in the bathroom or your bedroom or your car. I know when I come driving up, Donna goes, you got the music kind of loud, hadn't you, baby? I went to too many rock concerts in the 70s. That's all I'm going to say. I do. I like music loud. I drive up, and I don't realize, and Donna's like, I heard you coming when you turned in the driveway. 
And, and I laugh. And then I thought about it. I go, man, I am pretty deaf, aren't I, baby? She goes, yeah, baby, you really are. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I want you to stand. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We're going to read these first seven verses together. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I always like to tell that because everybody doesn't have the tra same translation anymore. And then you go, I don't know what he's reading out of. That, my Bible doesn't say that. Here it is. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. Now, y'all, we could just go home right there. <laughs> keep your ears open and your mouth shut. I like that. That sounds like a good marriage principle. And all the men said, you men are having lunch. Okay, here we go. It's, no, that's not what the text says. It goes, it is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth, so let your words be few. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. For God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. It is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Don't let your mouth make you sin. And don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger the promise you made was a mistake. That would make God angry. and He might wipe out everything you have achieved. Talk is cheap like daydreams and other useless activities. Fear God instead. In the NIV, New American, and others, the word promise, he uses the word fulfill your vows, make vows to the Lord. Another way of saying that is make promises. When we make a promise, let's pay up. Let's sit down together. Okay. So as you look at that, the very first point here, I filled in your notes. It goes, worshipers, they approach. Worshipers approach God. They come into his house full of an eager, anticipating, expectant heart that God might have something for them in their gathering, in their meeting. It's, it's, it, but if we're not careful, we can get formal, we can get ritualistic, we can go through the motions. And sometimes in the church world, people go, I've been baptized, I've been confirmed, I've been whatever. It, and, and, and all those things, they have a place and that's all good. But there's no substitute in the living church or the living Christ other than connecting with the God Almighty. Amen. I don't want you to have some pious, uh, false, faulty religion. I want you to know him. Rituals, I've learned, will cover up wickedness. Rituals can cover up a wicked heart. We could be in here this morning worshiping the right God, the Lord God Almighty, the God Jehovah, the Lord Jesus Christ, right God, we're here, but yet we could have the wrong heart. Right God, wrong heart. Now, I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand because people would judge you. <laughs> and it's so easy to come to a gathering like this. Uh, I don't know, has anybody ever had a conversation less than, less than godly as you turned into Ryan Road? Have you ever screamed at your kids? And you're, some of you are saying, I'm so glad my kids are not in here. They're over here next door. Have you ever done something? Sure you have. And here he just talks about, Samuel would say, to obey is better than sacrifice. It's good to make sacrifices. God calls us to. But God says, far better than that is obedience, to, to obey me. To guard, uh, the scripture would tell us, guard your steps. Don't have a misstep. You ever had a misstep? When you have a misstep, you do what? You fall. You turn your ankle, you trip, you mess up. And it's easy to have a misstep 
with a holy God if our hearts don't come prepared. My, my, my thing here this morning, I'd fill it in the blank here, prepare wisely. When you come to worship God in corporate experience called the church as we gather every Sunday morning, prepare your heart. But I'm not saying it's only for Sunday morning. That could get merely ritualistic, religious at best. I'm saying every day, God, I, I want to come. I, I want to see you. I want to I um, think about you. And Isaiah, Isaiah said, God is sick of your sacrifices. They're like a stench in my nostrils because there's no obedience. So I want us to hear a word from an old prophet that this morning God is more concerned about our obedience to him than so much our sacrifice. God wants us to obey him of an inward motivation. Our heart is being transformed. Does anybody hear what I'm saying today? Let's pray together. Lord, I just invite you to steal my heart and my friends and that worship begins with stopping. So right now, Lord Jesus, I want to stop. And I want us to pause. And I want us to invite you to come and speak to our hearts. Lord, who are you? You're holy. You're righteous. You're above all things. Would you have a word for me today, Lord? Holy Spirit, remind me of things that I need to be reminded of today. Speak to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. I just believe God's awesome and power and supremacy and that he rules over all things and he's here and that he was excited about us coming to worship this morning. I just believe that with all my being, that God loves for his creation, but he loves for his kids to tell him, good morning, Abba, Father, I love you. How many of you are thrilled? You remember when your kids were little? And you would go in their room, and they would have those hands up in the crib. Like, and some of you are like, my kids didn't. My kids just crawled out. And your kids were doing Is there anything more precious than a kid going, dad, 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 dad? Baby, what you need? You need money. You need anything. You need a car. I mean, you, whatever. You can have it. And now I've got a granddaughter. It's even worse. I've promised her amazing things, and her mom and dad just have no idea. And yet this morning, the Father of light, he's calling us to come worship him and to acknowledge him and to know that his depth of his love is unsearchable. God, I, I can't know the depth of your heart, but I want to pursue you. I want to try, Father. Lord, you're awesome. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. In your presence, there's stability. In your presence, there's grace. In your presence is what I long for. I like what 1 John 1.5 says. You can write it down. His is the message we have heard from him, and we declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. When you, I, you and I come into the presence of Christ, it's full of revelation. It's full of light. It's full of joy. It's full of forgiveness. God, who is there like you? No one. Micah would say, he is the God that pardons and forgives sin and iniquity fully. Lord, we've come. We've come to declare your praises. We've come to worship you. I'll give it to you this way in an illustration. I've been to England a few times. I've preached the gospel in Liverpool. That's where the Beatles are from. 
But as you fly into London, I'm real enamored with that country and just royalty and Buckingham Palace and all that. And no, I didn't meet the Queen. That, that would have been cool, but it didn't happen. But it's like this. It, let's say this afternoon you and I got on a flight and we flew all night. And in the morning, we had an appointment at 8 a.m. with the Queen. How many would go with me? Okay, okay well, I would, okay? And, and, and as we go see the queen, I bet we'd be sashaying in there and high-fiving the royalty, right? I don't think so. Somebody, one of those guys in the big hats would probably escort us out very quickly. Like, this guy is insane. He's in the presence of royalty. And as a result, I wouldn't get invited for tea for acting a fool, okay? I don't like tea anyway, but here, here's the point. We don't sashay into the presence of Jehovah. And sometimes we act like we do. We just go, hey, God, you know what? You're just lucky to have me. God, I showed up. It's like, I hopefully we wouldn't say this, but God, do I get credit for being here? You've missed the point of Christianity. Look at the second point here. Fill it in. So prepare wisely. Listen carefully. The old prophet Samuel just said, Lord, speak. Speak, servant. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So this morning... And every day I pray that you're asking God, God, speak to my heart. Speak to my soul, O oh God. Arise, O oh my soul. Let me worship the master today. Let me follow after him. Let me listen. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, cutting uh, between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires god's word reads you and me god's word reveals to me my sin god's word reveals his heart and his love and his devotion to you and i i pray that you are falling in love with god's word but more than the word i pray you're falling in love with the god of the word and the church said i love him i pray that you love god if you say you love God and you love not his word, I would seriously doubt, do you really love God? Somebody go, oh, well, pastor, pastor, come on now. I don't like to read. Tough. Read God's word. Now, if you can't read God's word, I mean, that's one thing we'd love to try to teach you. And I would almost suggest that everybody that's over a few years old in here can read God's word. Amen? Now, some of you say, well, don't call me to read it publicly. Well, I understand that. Maybe you don't read well, but you can read. Read his word carefully. God, I run after you. I, Lord, I want you, to, uh, I want you to plunge my heart. I want you to cleanse me, Lord. I want you to speak to me. Lord, I want to come for you. Uh, look, look at verse 2. He says, as you enter, keep your ears what? Keep your ears open, your mouth shut. And, he, and then verse 2, don't make rash promises. In other words, watch your mouth, boy. That's what it says in the Hebrew. No, I didn't say that, but, but that's what it means. You see... For a long time, I've been concerned about Christians' behavior and their bond being their word. I was raised by a non-Christian. My mom and dad loved them, great parents. They both came to know Christ. I remember leading my dad to Jesus eight years before his death. Love my daddy. He's been dead 20 years. I miss him immensely. And yet, he taught me a lot of principles, even not being a believer till late in his life, but one thing he taught me, and I'm indebted to him for this. Son, I can hear him say, son. Any of you ever heard your dad say, son, and you can hear it right now? Yeah, you know, somebody like, yeah, I heard it this morning. Okay. Son, I want you to do what you say. 
And when you say yes, let it be yes. And when it's no, let it be no. He didn't know he was quoting scripture to me. Son, let your word be your bond. It will serve you well in this life if you do what you say. So I just grew up saying, you know what? I got to do this. My daddy told me to. This is good. And as I became a Christ follower, I was like, man, that was right out of Scripture. That, that was pretty wise. But we have to watch our mouth. Uh, we do verbal doodling. How many of you do verbal doodling? That means you're quick at mouth. Come on, raise your hand. I'm not the only one here that runs my mouth all the time. And somebody be like, no, Pastor, I don't run my mouth. I just sit there and listen really well. Well, bless your little heart. Okay. See, this, in, in the Old Testament, they would memorize the Torah, and they would spout off Deuteronomy 6 and all these things. And it was wonderful to have God's Word hidden in their heart that they wouldn't sin against Him. But the, the problem was it became so formalized. And it's like today when we say the Lord's Prayer. If we don't stop, we run through this ritual, we run through this prayer, and we never stop to mean, think about who we're talking to and what it means. So formalize. Free, God wants free expression of your prayers. I know there's denominations that have prayer books, and I've actually read some of them, and be honest with you, some of the prayers are pretty amazing. But my fear is, if you just read a prayer out of a book, and I actually got a book the other day on my Kindle, and it was some, uh, some prayers, and I thought that was kind of cool. But I want you to know God wants you to express your heart freely to Him. God wants you to set times to pray. In the Old Testament, they would pray at 6, 9, 12, 3, 6. I mean, they had all these set times. They would turn toward Jerusalem, and they would pray. And I'm just so glad that we don't have to get into that mode, but then we might go to the other extreme. We just don't even pray. Or we just pray at mealtime. And God's like, I want you to pray. Then we have these prescribed prayers. They would have prayers that they prayed for travel. They prayed for home. They prayed for rain. They prayed for crops. They prayed for whatever. So they were these uh, ritualistic prayers that people just described to. And, and I would say we probably have some prayers like that. We just pray this prayer we throw it up. We don't realize from our heart. And then in the Old Testament, they would pray these long prayers. And they said, the more adjectives you use, the longer your prayer, the more effective. And you went, nope. How many of you get excited when I pray a really long prayer? Don't, don't, don't answer that, okay? Length has nothing to do with it. It's the position and the posture of the heart. God wants to give us clean hearts for him. He wants us to seek after him. Verse, you move on down here, he says, don't make rash promises. Let your words be few. There in the end of verse 2. I don't know about you, but Proverbs says, you know, basically remove all doubt. If you don't talk much, nobody will know you're a fool. That serves some of us well, okay? I, I don't listen to that proverb very well because I like to try to uh, express my opinion, and so do some of you. So some of us probably need to take that to heart. Uh, Jesus tells us about making our vows doctors when they become physicians they have a hypocritic oath that they take when you say the pledge of allegiance you make a vow a promise to this country when you get enlisted in the military they have an oath a vow that they take um, when i was a youth pastor we would do true love weight campaigns i would do them all over the country and it was basically it was a vow it was a promise of purity, of virginity, of, of keeping yourself only unto your mate. And it was a, it was a beautiful thing, and, and people meant that, and some people didn't mean it. And then when you get married, when you stand here at, at the altar of a church and, and you say your vows and, and you look like a, uh, a Cheshire cat looking at each other, and, and you're smiling and, and you say those vows before God, do you walk off in a year or two years and go, oh, 
it was a mistake. <laughs> oh, I didn't really mean it. God says it's better not to even make vows than to make them and not keep them. Now, hear me this morning. This is not a word of condemnation. But this is a word from the Lord that when we make vows, when we make promises, God wants us to keep them. And God's church said, y'all, our community, our society, our world doesn't know about this anymore. We've abandoned the Malachi. We've abandoned Ecclesiastes. We've abandoned our yes being yes, our no being no. I could talk about this forever, and I won't. But I would just say, when we break vows, the Bible says it's sin. Can, can I be any clearer? Somebody once said, you're pretty clear, Pastor. Well, that's my job. I don't want to make it muddy water. I want to make it clear. Breaking a vow, breaking a promise is sin. Can we just go ahead? If we've broken vows, if we've broken sins, i got good news. If we confess, God can forgive and cleanse us. And I go, glory. So I don't want you to walk out here going, pastor, pastor, I broke a vow. No, 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 no. I don't want you to walk around condemned. The devil will accuse you. He's the accuser of the brethren. But what I am telling you, young people, old people, when we make vows, let's live up to them. Amen? This is not a word that's being preached in a lot of churches. They're afraid. Well, let's just have casual commitment. Let's just, if it feels good, you know, whatever. That's pitiful. Pitiful. I'm going to be a person of this book. How about you, church? I'm going to love God's word. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to lead you in God's word. I want us to fulfill our vows. It just honors Christ. And Lord, I want to have that kind of the tension in our hearts. It's attracted to God, I pray, with holy apprehension. Lord, I run after you. But let me just, since I've already got this spirit of heaviness on here, as we're walking through this, but I pray there's a spirit of conviction. I pray there's a spirit of Christ-likeness. That, that's my whole goal. I just want us to be more like Jesus. A couple of thoughts I was thinking about this week that could change our hearts. How I worship the Lord. Would you write this in the side? you got plenty of room. I'll leave you lots of room on purpose. How I worship the Lord. I will not come in casually anymore I will come in early to prepare myself for worship. Instead of strolling in 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 minutes late, I will try to prepare my heart. And some of you are like, I cannot believe he just said that. I can. I am a preacher of righteousness. All right, here, let's do it this way. All right, I, I'm, I'm going to set us up. Let's say we're going to a concert or a parade or a ball game. And I go, now, the game starts at 2 o'clock. We're going to have to drive to Auburn, we're going to have to drive to Troy, so we need to really get there early, and we need to meet, and we need to go, and then we're going to tailgate and all this. And it would be an all-day affair. Do you, do, you, do you see where I'm going with this? And we would prepare, and we wouldn't dare be late because we want to go have the hot dog and the Coke, and we want to hang out, we want to scream, and we want people to throw drinks on us. It's just fun in Jesus' name, okay? But when it comes to worship, we're going, ah, hey, you know, God, he's always there. He's everywhere. He'll be there. You know, when I get there, he's just blessed to have me when I show up. You've missed it. He is glad, but he wants us to prepare. I've been preparing my heart all week for this service. I've been preparing my heart since early this morning to come. Many of you prepared your heart. Some of you are like, I never thought about preparing my heart. Like yesterday, are you ready? Last night, I ironed my clothes for today. Now, usually it doesn't happen until the next day, but I actually, I actually, you know, when you wear linen, you better iron and you like you slept in it, okay? The only thing about linen that's not very forgiving, as soon as you iron linen and you sit in your car, you look like you slept in it. But, there's, but my wife tells me I should still iron. Okay, so I do. But you, you, some of you are like, why is he giving us a fashion tip? I don't know. I just thought I'd share that with you. Here's the point. There was preparation in mind. 
But God could really care less whether I had on a suit or a t-shirt. God wants my heart dressed. He wants my, ready, my heart ready for encounter. And I tell you, those worship songs this morning, they got me in an encounter mode. Here's the good news. We've got a couple of songs at the end today. So i got to tell you, the service is not over when I finish preaching. Don't leave. I'm fixing to nail you on that one. Listen to this one. Secondly, catch a vision, let worship spill over. God, I want to catch a vision of who you are. I want it to spill over. Third, stay to the end. See, here's what happens a lot of places. I'll just catch the nuggets of truth, a couple of songs, I'll check it off, and I'll leave. Now, have you ever left a ball game early to be greatly disappointed? Yeah, I've, I've left Jordan here many a time going, oh, man, my boys, they were stuck. And I'm walking about five miles, you know, like, I exaggerated, that was a lie. And I'm walking, and all of a sudden you hear this roar come out of the stadium, and they just scored, they just came back. You're like, oh, I left early. Can I tell you, I think when you leave worship early, you have a great chance of missing what God's doing in the church said. I'm telling you, church, I think God works from beginning to the end of the service. Sometimes I think the end is the very strongest part of the service because he's been getting us ready all morning for encounter. Lord, I just want to worship you. I want to stay. I want to be transfixed. Here, just write this down. Lord, I don't want my heart to drift. I want to focus. Lord, I want to focus on you. Can I just encourage you to focus on Christ in worship? Focus on Christ in everything, but in worship, focus on him. Be the center. I'll declare, Lord, here, here's one. Well, I don't like the songs. I, people tell me that. You know what? I like that song. I didn't like that song. I liked your first point. Your third point stunk. You know what? I was thinking the same thing when I wrote it. Why didn't you come over and we should have rewritten it? But I want us to look at the full context of what God's doing. Because worship's about him. It's not about us. It's about him. Lord, I want to I come into your presence, Lord. Here it is. So we approach. We prepare wisely. We listen carefully. Here, worships. Worshippers have an affirmation, verses 4 and 5. They affirm their faith in Christ. They look to him. They, there's something full about who he is. And it's just that, that fullness of an affirmation. Lord, I affirm you and I respond to you and my heart is prepared for you. And then I want you to feel in this. The attitude of a worshiper. What attitude do I, what attitude do you bring to worship? Worship attitude has everything to do with everything in life. When you bring a bad attitude to your ball team, when you bring a bad attitude in a marriage, man, it's bad. When you bring a bad attitude in worship, you don't get out of it what God intends. But when you come in, Lord, you have created me. Lord, you have redeemed me. Search my heart. See if there be any hurtful way within me. Lord, I worship you. You're prepared for powerful worship, church. What's your attitude this morning? Well, my attitude is, I want you to hush so I can go eat lunch. Your attitude's not right. You're saying, well, my attitude, I just want to touch his garment. I just want to touch the hem of his robe. I just want to see Jesus. I just want to touch him. You know, we have a contemporary structure, as you notice. We wanted shelter when we moved out of AUM in 99, and we built this structure, and we built it for worship, and we built education space. I was ordained many years ago as a Methodist pastor in a beautiful cathedral 
in Cloverdale called First Methodist. It is, it is astounding. It, our daughter, our Otis, got married there, and you walk in and you just look up and stained glass, and, and it's just, and that's the way it is in England and great countries and, and great cathedrals. They, they put your eyes up. They do. And there's a place for that. And sometimes I wish we were more majestic in structure. But then there's another part of this place is it's highly, it has great lighting. Uh, it can get extremely dark. It has great sound. Just, there's a lot of things that I love about, and we can have the ability to move this room around and, and flex and transition. But I want you to listen. If we're not careful, contemporary worship can get very horizontal, and it can be all about us and all about the people next to me. And I want us to look up, okay? Look up to him. God, I worship you. Lord, you know, I, I missed it somehow. Lord, I, I want to be enjoyed by you. Lord, I want to, I, I would say this, guard your steps when you come to worship. Lord, I guard my steps. I guard my heart. I don't, I don't need a misstep, Lord. And write down the verse, uh, Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 39. Nehemiah says, we will not neglect the house of our God. I love the word from this old guy. God, I'm not going to neglect worship. I'm not going to neglect your house because it's important to you. And if it's important to you, Father, it's important to me. I love where my God dwells. He dwells in the hearts of man. But when we come together in worship, it's powerful. It's a fixed point not to neglect him. The psalmist says, Oh, Lord, how lovely is your dwelling place. He loved the dwelling place of God. He loved when God met with his people. You know what I've learned? Dead people don't sing. You know, when I do funerals and I look over in a casket, I've never heard one dead person sing. They, they just don't sing. And dead, unregenerated people, they don't usually sing either. But people that have been born again, people that have been renewed, people that have been resurrected in their spirit, people that have Christ, they sing a new song. Is, is that good news, church? We think about His goodness and His grace, and we become spiritually alive to one another. And then people look at you and they're like, man, you're on fire for Jesus. Like, yeah, that's a good thing. Did I tell you? I don't know if I told you. Maybe I did. If I did, uh, I'm getting older now. I'll repeat it. But here it is. A few weeks ago, I, I prayed for like 60 pastors every Sunday morning. I prayed. I went through my list this morning praying for churches all across America. And there's this one we served in Montgomery years ago. And weeks ago, he called me. I said, man, he says, Keith, I want to talk to you. I said, how you doing? I said, he said, man, you ain't going to believe it. He says, my church called on fire. I said, praise God. I've been praying that your church would catch fire. And you would love the gospel. He goes, no, 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 not spiritually, bro. It called on fire. I said, oops. <laughs> well, I've been praying. He said, I was headed to, to North Carolina with some friends. And he said, I got almost there. And, and they called me and they said, pastor, the church is on fire. That'll ruin a vacation quickly. He did a U-turn and went back home. He said, I got home, and it was smoking, baby. It was all down. His church caught on fire. So when you pray for us to catch on fire here, pray that we would catch on fire with the Holy Spirit, and the building wouldn't be reduced to ashes, okay? But God, we want you. We want to worship you, Lord. We want to have preparation. And the other thing, I just got to come back and keep saying it. Keep your vows. Keep your vows. Lord, they're, they're essential. Lord, I want to pay up when I make a promise to you. I want to stand in awe of who you are, God. Our God is a great God. 
And he calls us to stand in awe and in reverence of the Holy One of Israel, the Redeemer that shed His blood that I could be forgiven and you could, and I could walk and I could gain heaven and I could have an eternal paradise and I would join heirs with Jesus and I would reign forever throughout eternity. Hallelujah. That's Christ. Do you know Him? Do you really know Him? Are you, are you pursuing Him? You worship Him. You worship a God that's majestic, and He's not manageable. I cannot manage God. I've been trying to manage God on a few issues, and it ain't working for me. And it's not working for you either. Because His ways are not my ways, and His ways are so much higher than mine. And Lord, You are holy. Lord, I worship You. I proclaim You. I declare You. Lord, I think about who You are. In Psalm 111.10, listen to this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. Lord, I give praise to You, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, Sovereign King, and Friend. See, Jesus is holy. He is God, but He's also my friend. And I'm grateful for the relationship I have with Christ. A.W. Tozer said, Worship is the missing jewel of the evangelical church. It's easy to get all the other spokes in the wheels and miss worship. And I think we miss the heart of the gospel. Jesus, I want to worship you. I want to run after you, Lord. Once you've probably heard it, one of the problems in today's church is that we worship our work. We work at our play. We play at our worship. And I just pray, God, don't let us play at worship. It's too important. It has eternal dividends. God, we want to respond to you. It's the heartfelt response that you're moving and that you're God and you've created me to honor you. Lord, you're, you're, you're so much more than a few songs or a sermon on Sunday morning. Your life. God, I draw near to you. Worship is constantly putting God first in what we say and what we think and what we do. God, I want my life to revolve around you. Not just on Sunday mornings, but Lord, daily. For the Lord says, for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God. And He is. And he doesn't share His love, or He doesn't share that with just anybody. He says, hey, I want to consume you. I want to conform you. I want to center you. Come to me, Lord. You know, I, I need more of you. So how do you not worship somebody that loves you so much that dies for you? How do you not worship somebody that forgives you? How do you not worship somebody that promises eternal life? How do you worship somebody that has the ability to forgive sin? I don't know about you, when I got forgiveness of sin, that was a good day for this boy. Was it a good day the day you got your sins forgiven? It's a great day. Try to atone for your sins. You won't. You'll fall miserably short. But that's already been taken care of at Calvary. So Lord, I run to the cross. I run to you. I seek you. Worship Lord, it's about you. So, Lord, so here, here's a thought I just want to ask us today. Are you putting your heart into worship? Well, you know, some days I'll give him about 80%, 90. He got 100 a month ago. That's awesome. Sometimes I come here, I give him about 28%. You know, just not all here. So I think it goes back to preparation. God, I want to prepare my heart before I come. I want to prepare my heart during the songs. Lord, here's a prayer. Father, would you lead Jeff in his selection of songs for our weekend preparation, that they would be the songs that I need to sing to you that will reflect you, that will give you honor, that will bless you, Father. 
and touch me in the process. Pray for that. Pray, Lord, give our pastor words. Give him words that will pierce our hearts and that will change us forever. Yeah, Lord, that's what I want. But I just think about, do I revere him? So worship's affirm, attitude of worship. Fill in this blank here. Worship reverently. Reverently would be worship with fear. Not that I'm afraid of God, but there's this all-encompassing love of the Father that I run to Him that the Bible says in Psalm 22, 23, You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him. Stand in awe of Him. All you offspring of Israel, but stand in awe of the King. Worship Him. Fear Him. Stand in awe of truth. Lord, turn my gaze from the horizontal that... Um, Ecclesiastes Solomon's been telling us about for weeks and turn my focus upward Lord I look to you be my gaze Lord Jesus Lord I want to be grounded in you Lord it'd be like if I was out there and I was looking at a, a tall skyscraper in New York and I'd go what an amazing building and I'll give you that they're, they're pretty they're architectural marvels but then I would go above the skyscrapers and I'd go but I look to him. I look to the hills. He's an amazing God. And Lord, I express my heart to you. But there's a danger. There's a danger that we won't do it. That we'll be dead in our practice of faith. And we won't be vibrant in our souls. And we'll be relaxed. I love this church. We created it to be a casual dress contemporary gathering of the practical word of the almighty god to declare the praises of the eternal one and i'm grateful for that and i invite you to always come as you are i love that people wear shorts and t-shirts and dresses and suits and all kind of stuff and if you come more than three weeks i'll cut your tie off that's just what i'm going to do okay but the bottom line is what I see is sometimes we come so casual, we forget we're standing in the presence of holiness. And He is here. And I want to worship Him with a clean heart. And I want you to worship Him the same. Listen to the Word of God and we're going to see. Proverbs 1.7 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Matthew 10, 28, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy the soul and the body in hell. Psalm 34, fear the Lord, you as godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and even protection from harm. But Lord, may we be a people that fear you. I pray somehow out of all this that I've said this morning that you would be encouraged in your pursuit of the Father. And you wouldn't approach worship as casually as maybe you have. But you would give him full devotion.